Hello, everybody. Welcome to our second episode of the week. Today, we are going back in time with you and reminiscing on the storied pasts of all of our favorite teams. Specifically, we're asking each other, what is one thing that you would tell your favorite team if you could? So, Aiden, let's start with you. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of options when it comes to my favorite teams, um, you know, <laughs> un- unsuccessful teams in general. Um, but I, I'm going to I'm going to dive into um, the, the Mets and in particular the Mets ownership. Um, and I think the, the one thing I would try and reject was the Wilpon family buying the Mets or buying a share of the Mets back in 1987 <laughs> um, and then uh, buying the whole team or taking on full ownership in, in 2002. Um, I, I don't think it's really a coincidence that the last time the Mets won the World Series was 1986. Uh, so, note, note <laughs> listeners, that is, that is the year before they bought 50% of the team. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, maybe that was a sign. Um, it, they were, like, the worst kind of bad owners, though. The controlling kind, where they, at the end of the day, control all player decisions, um, even though they're not the GM. And the, the Wilpons are very much known for their bad free agency signings. The uh, Jason Bays of the world, Mo Vaughn, Bobby Bonilla... Um, and the first half of their ownership in retrospect was, was not that bad or the first half of their half ownership, the nineties, when they were pretty much just outplayed by the Yankees who like were, uh, the dominant force of the nineties. They also had the Braves who were within their division, had a, a great rotation with Tom Glavin and John Smoltz and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they were, they were just outplayed. And, and that's whatever, but the, the second half of their ownership, which they were, they were full owners at this point. Uh, is known by all the embarrassments, um, mostly known for the Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme, um, <laughs> which may or may or may not have caused the Mets' finances to collapse. <laughs> um, and and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but the Wilpons commonly commonly like negotiated deferred money into players' contracts uh, mm-hmm. as a result of their faith in Madoff's investments. They were like, these investments are really paying off. Um, (laughs) how can he (laughs) how how is he so good at this um and uh, so they they worked that into contracts such as famously um, bobby Benia's, where uh uh, they're they're still paying him to this day because they thought that you know if they were paying him in 2022 or 2021 uh that they would have been uh the money that they made off off of the investment could have paid for it on its own um and a side note is that there's very much the question of whether the Wilpons were actually duped by the Ponzi scheme or whether they like knew about it. Um, they got oh. su- <laughs> they got sued by a bunch of Bernie Madoff's victims for a hundred sixty two million, uh, which was about how much they made off the scheme and the f- made off. Yeah, wow, wow, that's wow. I, I don't know how I never realized that before. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, but that's about how much money they made off of it um and also note that the wilpons had invested with another guy named samuel israel the third which that's a name that immediately when i hear it i think he probably runs a ponzi scheme Uh, but and and he was uh, so, oh my gosh so he was he was another guy convicted of running a ponzi scheme so either they are very dumb or they were in on this in the first place um, so pretty much after 2008, which was when, you know, the um, financial markets worldwide pretty much collapsed, the Mets became a small market franchise. 
uh, for a team in New York that's trying to compete with the Yankees, mm-hmm. they didn't pay for anything. Uh, they didn't sign any big ticket free agents. They didn't do whatever. Um, and at the same time, you had the Wilpons mocking all of the Mets star players. There was like an <laughs> interview that came out and I think it was 2011 where like the, he talked to, I think it was Jeff Wilpon, who's the, the son of the owner talked about how David Wright, who's probably considered, you know, a, a top three Mets player of all time, uh, was not superstar material. Uh, he joked about how Jose Reyes, another Mets star at the time, didn't deserve a new contract. Uh, like, there have been just huge embarrassments along the way. So given that, and given the fact that they just, since then, um, and until Steve Cohen bought them and you know, last year, and I have my own issues with Steve Cohen, but, um, you know, he, he's got moral issues around him but at least he has money so as a Mets fan I'm, I'm happy that um, that he has money um, and, and you know I think the Mets since um, since the Wilpon era have kind of taken on like this like jokey atmosphere where they're just constantly the source of you know pundits and um, you know headline ridiculous headlines uh, and we've seen this that even up to you know the past week right um, it just feels yeah. like something that's been built in since some of the embarrassments that started with the Wilpon era. So, so that's my answer for the, that's one thing that I, I wish that, you know, someone had been like, oh, we're going to, we're going to take another buyer. Um, and maybe in a year or two, I'll be saying that the biggest Mets mistake ever was paying Francisco Lindor 340 million. Uh, but, but for the, I'm going to remain optimistic and say that it's the Wilpons for the moment. <laughs> yeah. Always good to be optimistic. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I try to be. Um, <laughs> it's hard, but <laughs> never ceases to amaze me how much ownership affects team success. I really, yeah, yeah that like because a star pl- like missing out on drafting us, you know, some star, missing out on some, you know, huge free agent that could have turned the franchise around. It's going to cost you, you know, maybe ten years at mm-hmm. most. Generally, um, ownership can cost you a lot more (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 i'm right there with you except for that's not where i'm going that's where i thought about going (laughs) um mine is relatively smaller scale (laughs) but um i will have to admit as a a minnesotan there were many things to choose from i definitely considered glenn taylor as the wolves owner because he's been like equally trash i would say Uh, I thought specifically about saying take Steph Curry in the draft instead of Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn because that probably would have single-handedly changed the the franchise's fortunes. That's not where I'm going. I'm going with the Vikings, actually. I thought about talking about uh, the Drew Brees versus Brett Favre NFC Championship when things went south. Oh, yeah. I didn't go with that either. I'm taking us back to January of 99, (laughs) the famed NFC Championship against the Atlanta Falcons. Because that was the Vikings' peak, I think. That's, they should have won it all that year, and they didn't. They were 15-1. and one. They, had prob- they had arguably the best offense ever, if not the best ever, one of the best ever. They had Randall Cunningham, Chris Carter. This was Randy Moss's legendary rookie season where he caught 17 touchdowns. Robert Smith, the running back, was also a beast. They had John Randall, a Hall of Famer, on the defensive line. So this team was pretty stacked. They were heavily favored. And the irony of it, the, the super Minnesota Viking twist, is that they were let down by a kicker, Gary Anderson, who hadn't missed a kick the whole season. Oh. So specifically, there were like two minutes left in the fourth quarter. They were up by seven. It was a 38-yard field goal. And if he'd made it, they would have been up by 10. Basically, it would have been a guaranteed win. 
and he missed it wide left. It's like probably the most legendary play in Vikings history. So my message, if I could say something to anybody, I would message Dennis Green specifically, and I would do, say something along the lines of, call a timeout or something right as he's kicking, let him get his miss out of the way, and let him try it again. I think Gary Anderson, he would have made it again, or <laughs> even if they had just taken a timeout and given him a few more seconds yeah. to breathe, he would have made it. I'm certain of that. They would have gone to the Super Bowl. They would have beaten John Elway and the Broncos, and mm. the Vikings would have finally had their first championship. Instead, like I said, it was their peak. The next year, they went to the, the second round of the playoffs, lost. The, the year after that, they went back to the NFC Championship, but they got shut out by the Giants, 41-0. And then Dennis Green was gone, and they didn't have a winning season again for a while. So it really was like, it was that. It was all or nothing. There's really no excuse why they should have lost. And like I said, they missed a kicker. They missed a kick from a kicker who hadn't missed all season. It's just outrageous. A 38-yard field goal is a new and long. So I would say let it, do something to let Gary try it again because he would have made it on a second chance. Alas, it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. The life of Minnesota sports fan. Just, yeah. He's got to... I mean, you're telling yard me. field goals yeah, exactly. are not guaranteed. Yeah. There's also the Especially Blair Walsh the kick that he missed yeah. against the yeah. Seahawks. That was like 20 yeah. some yards. A classic. Vikings <laughs> <sighs> and kickers. I'm going to go um, like cocoon myself in a blanket after this. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was watching the SB Nation secret base. They're, they're doing like a, a seven part series on the Atlanta Falcons history now. Oh. Um, obviously, they played the Falcons in the game. Very interesting. Everybody should watch. Um, but. Um, they like ran the stats on that Vikings team, and they're like it was legitimately one of the greatest football teams that has like ever, especially one of the greatest offenses in like the history of the entire NFL. And the fact that like they didn't win that game and blew it is devastating. I saw a stat that was that they're the only fifteen and one team ever to not win the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, oh, good, wow. Good stuff. Love that. Love that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, for mine, I uh, shifted it in a uh, in a basketball direction. We've hit, you know, we're, we've done a different sport each time. I'm keeping it up, um, and I'm going to the my beloved Philadelphia 76ers, and I'm going very recently. I'm not traveling as far back in time as everybody else, um, and mine's very influenced by the present too. But I am pleading with this Philadelphia 76ers to prioritize re-signing Jimmy Butler instead of signing Ben Simmons to a max extension in the 2019 offseason. I've said it again. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The 2019, 2019 Sixers team was the best chance they have had and I think probably will ever have of winning a title. That The starting five of Ben Simmons, like who at that point looked legitimately good, was on the up, and whose offensive weaknesses were not exposed at that point because everybody else was so good around him. Played excellently that year. J.J. Redick, great shooter. Uh, Jimmy Butler, twice Harrison, Joel Embiid was an absolutely NBA Finals caliber winning starting five. And if they didn't lose that game on the Kawhi shot to the Raptors, I have full faith that they absolutely wouldn't have won the NBA championship that year. Yeah. That being said, when that season came up, Jimmy Butler was going to be a free agent. Um, and Ben Simmons, I think, had one more year left on his rookie deal. So it basically came down to them saying, okay. Um, we either can re-sign Jimmy Butler or we can re-sign Ben Simmons. Um, and they went all in on our boy Ben Simmons. Um, and it basically seemed to come down to the fact that then head coach Brett Brown didn't really like Jimmy Butler and he was allowed to go to the Heat and they signed Ben Simmons to a max extension. But I think it's pretty clear, especially the following year uh, when Jimmy Butler led the Heat to a conference title, 
he would have absolutely been better for the long-term prospects of the Sixers. He's regressed a little bit this year, but he seems to have a really good relationship with Joel Embiid. The two very much like each other. That was sort of thrown away. Um, and Ben Simmons, while well, he's an elite defender, uh, just does not... I mean, what, we've said all we can say about Ben Simmons. He just poses <laughs> little to no offensive threat. Um, and they've had to placate him over and over and over along the years. And he just does not reciprocate. He's still talking about how he wants to go to a California team, and I hope to oh God this this Sacramento Kings, no, <laughs> Sacramento. But when Events he says Cal- Sacramento, yeah, <laughs> no, okay. it's a great city. Um, but <laughs> the fact that he obviously wants to play in LA or for the Warriors, I hope that they send him to the Kings. He's apparently. It was reported yesterday. He's apparently planning on setting out trading camp. Like it just, it, it's over. That's at ridiculous. This point. Yeah, I know. Like, the Sixers haven't done everything to please him. They signed him to a max extension. They did everything they could have, and he's just... You can't hold out when you just had a terrible, terrible playoff meltdown, too. That just... I don't know. Exactly. And so, like, well, I think Butler's less skilled than Ben, or maybe has less of an upside in certain areas than Ben did. He's an excellent player. Like, potential only gets you so far, and I think for, like, the continuity of that team continuing forward it would have been a lot better. And then had they re-signed Jimmy Butler, they probably wouldn't have gone through all the stupid moves of like signing Al Horford for a year and like trying the experiment of where everybody on your team is 6'10 and there's no ball spacing. Um, And there's just a lot that happened with that deal that I think led to the decline of the Sixers. And they were deprived of, I think, who would have been a true number two option on that team by not re-signing Jimmy. So I'm traveling back. December 2019, it's not that long ago, but I am walking into the Sixers' front office and warning them of all the impending Ben Simmons doom and telling them, put all your eggs in Jimmy Butler's basket. Alrighty. Makes makes total sense. We feel for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's kind of like a therapy session. Like, we all just, like, yeah. get off our chests. Exactly. <laughs> all the things that have been playing yeah. out there sports teams. <laughs> All right, so I walk out the door. I hop into my 1982 DeLorean DMC-12. I set the timestamps. The year is 2015. The month, February. Day, first of the month. And you know where we're driving? We're going to Glendale, Arizona. The Seahawks are down four to the Patriots in Super Bowl 44. They are on the one-yard line with 20 seconds and a timeout. My DeLorean rips onto the field, keeps the grass turf intact, though. Everybody, there's commotion, right? Because people have never seen this like, <laughs> the movies, right? I get out of the car. I sprint over to Pete Carroll, look him dead in the eye, say, do not throw the ball. Malcolm Butler will intercept that pass. You have Marshawn Lynch. And before I, before I can like say anything else, I get tackled because I can't get up the, the DeLorean up to 88 miles an hour without you know, running around the field or something. Maybe I should have time-traveled to earlier in the game, you might ask, but who knows how that could have affected Pete's play calling throughout the entire mm-hmm. game, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we might have got crushed mm-hmm. by, like, 20 if I told him that at the start of the game. So you really have to wait to the moment mm-hmm. so that everything happens exactly the same. Like, <laughs> it's time-travel 101. Um, you have to – yeah, you have to interrupt right before that call, so – that that game when it happened like real in real life when that when that game happened I like I was sitting in my chair and I was like all right Seahawks are about to win and I, I'm not even like the biggest Seahawks fan or whatever but it's probably it's definitely my NFL team 
Russell Wilson throws that pass. It gets intercepted. I like fell out of my chair. I like fell forward out of my chair. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And I was like, no. I, I think I literally yelled like no. <laughs> it was I, I have a very vivid memory though of like falling out of my chair. Uh like mm-hmm. f- falling forward yeah. out of my chair. There was a lot of other ones like it's really well known that the Trailblazers passed up on both Kevin Durant and Michael Jordan. Uh I felt like that was kind of too mm-hmm. easy though, so I didn't pick that one. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a correct one. That's like an all time bad play yeah. call. Yeah. 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 I mean yeah jared does the delorean fit through like the tunnel that players come out of they're trying to figure that out right <laughs> no now. so i think what i, I would have done yeah. is i would have had to go to like an off day at arizona um at the arizona stadium and mm-hmm. gotten up to 88 miles an hour there so that when i like when the lights <laughs> flash and everything and i get onto the field um i don't have to worry about the tunnel i'm just like on the field right away you know what i mean I like the idea too that you would have time traveled in on your DeLorean and then they would have just like kept playing the game. I don't mess up no, the like, grass. That, yeah. that was <laughs> weird, right? But like, I, I guess we'll. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there would be like a 30 minute delay. It's like, it would have been like when the power went out. Like, all right, like yeah. people kind of remember it, but. We would have been hauled off by like the U.S. government I, for testing. I think the appearance the of the first time traveler would be remembered pretty vividly. <laughs> Here's the question, though. Would Pete Carroll, because like, maybe Pete Carroll would think you're playing mind games, and he would do the opposite, <laughs> because he thinks you're a fan of the Pats, who's coming to make sure that they lose, well, that the Seahawks lose. Yeah. Wait a minute. What would you do? Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, he might get thrown off. You never know. You can't control the outcome. Oh, At some point, you just have to, you have to give it a little push. You can't control the outcome. Yeah, yeah. Infinity War is a freaking lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not Infinity War, Endgame. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Jared, earlier I was talking about the, the last time the Mets won the World Series, and one thing related to this uh, from the 1986 World Series was that in Game 6, uh, a fan like parachuted onto the field <laughs> in the middle of the game wearing like a Go Mets sign or something. Oh my gosh. So that's another option if the whole if you fit, you know logistically figure out the car thing doesn't doesn't work. But how do um, I time you travel? Could just, you know, I, yeah. I try to think of the. That's a good point. You know, that's a, that's a good point. Am I yeah. using some yeah. pin particles? Flying or am I using Delorean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you make a compelling argument. Yeah, Delorean would definitely be the coolest way to time travel. Yeah, I think definitely. That's true. I think there's a consensus there. Oh, I'd have to. I'd have to make sure I was going on the right side of the field, though. Otherwise, I would run over a player. Because if because if I like time traveled in and I was on that, I was going towards the field. You know what I mean? Like towards the Alter- end. Zone. I mean, alternatively, you could just time travel directly to Malcolm Butler and then. Yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. Just draw that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Jared, if you start thinking about the like the practicality of it, <laughs> the play, running over a player is, is a problem. But like if you ran over a coach, for instance, or if you accidentally ended up in what? the stands, yeah. why is running fine. over a player not a problem? I'm <laughs> yeah, what? It's like clarification. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying Jared was just worried about going onto the wrong spot in the field so that he wouldn't run over a player. I'm mm-hmm. saying, but what about what about the sidelines? That's true. What, that's, what about the coaches? Well, they were on the one yard line, so like the I have the whole rest of the field theoretically. I mean, maybe a ref is down there, like, 
You know, the ref is like the line, the, the oh, white ref is back there. But. Small price to pay for a Seahawks Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm going to get arrested getting the Super Bowl, getting the Seahawks a freaking Super Bowl, who's not even like really my diehard team. But. It's, it's like Lucas, I need like pin particles. You're taken to a CIA facility and never immediately. <laughs> 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 hey, they will have won the Super Bowl. So exactly, yeah, championships are forever. Yeah, yeah, banners fly forever. Banners fly forever. <laughs> and you sit forever in a CIA facility. Yeah, exactly. Prick you and poke you and figure it all out. No regrets. <laughs> but anyway, that's gonna do it for the second uh, you thought sport podcast episode of the week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for staying tuned for both. We're assuming that you listened to the first one. Um, if you haven't, you, you must do that right now. Um, and yeah, per, per usual, follow us on Twitter. You thought sport. We're on TikTok. We're on Instagram. Give us all your takes. Tell us how we better time travel and make the Seahawks uh, win that Super Bowl. Yeah. And see you next week.